Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Welcome to Spiritual Insights, everyone, and the latest installment in our Masterclass Educational Series, Guidance from Spirit, Channeled Messages from Beyond the Veil. I'm joined today by my special guest co-host, Danielle Gibbons, who has served as channel for Mother Mary since 1994, allowing Mother, in her distinct voice, to share universal truths and lend guidance to help us on our human journeys. Danielle and Mother join me on the second Wednesday of each month at 3 p.m. Eastern. After a brief discussion with Danielle, she will allow mother to come through to speak on the subject. Please note, ladies and gentlemen, that we do not take live calls from listeners during segments with Mother Mary, so please do not call in. Uh, we will not be able to take your questions. Danielle has connected people worldwide with Mother's Love and Grace through best-selling courses, life-changing retreats, radio appearances, and online events to inspire individuals to awaken and expand their consciousness. Visit BelovedPublications.com. To learn more about Danielle and Mother's events and to purchase their book, Mother Mary's Pathway to Love, Building a Loving Relationship with Yourself That Will Transform Your Life. If you'd like to follow Mother's teachings more closely, you can do that in several ways. Number one, on YouTube, you can access tremendously profound videos of Mother speaking on a variety of subjects. Go to Mother Mary channel on YouTube, where new videos are uploaded every two weeks. Two, you can tune in to Danielle and Mother's appearances on Conscious Talk Radio, on the second Friday of each month, visit ConsciousTalk.net to access those segments. Number three, or you can review the archives of our discussions on my website, SpiritualInsightsRadio.com, where I've put together a collection of direct links to Mother's appearances, videos, and teachings to make it more convenient, convenient for you. Of course, we welcome your thoughts and feedback on any of the uh, media outlets for Mother's teachings. Now, for today's topic of discussion, in our last segment, we spoke about uh, energies that were converging during the first part of 2018. That's when we're making this uh, taping. The first several months, four months, mostly February through April of 2018 were very difficult for a lot of people, and it was due to a convergence of energies that served as a way for people to consciously uh, become aware of what they can do differently in their lives. And so, in our last segment, Mother described these powerful events that unfolded as a quote-unquote shake-up for people. And it certainly was a shake-up for many, especially those who would describe their life events as, as either troublesome and inopportune or devastating and catastrophic and anywhere in between. During my experience of upheaval, chaos, and feeling quite honestly unfairly victimized by external events, 
basically another way to say that would be that I felt completely gutted and angry at the world for quite a while, and I had to climb my way back out of that. Anyway, in some of those dark moments, I would hear the words that Mother spoke during a segment in the latter part of 2017, which served as reassurance and reinforcement of a belief that we, as human beings, should endeavor to use as a source of strength. Her words in that segment were, never a victim, always a co-creator. And even at some of the lowest points of that experience for me, I would hear this statement in my mind like a gentle whisper, knowing it to be wholly true, yet still struggling with the defense that these events had happened to me and that I was a victim of chance, which chafes horribly against my belief system and all that I understand to be true. That converged in February through April 2018 to, quote, help us open our eyes to those areas in our lives where either fear, inaction, or denial were present has subsided, I thought it would make sense to explore the idea of moving forward with a deeper recognition of ourselves. Using the metaphor of our psyche or conscious awareness being represented by the physical structure of a house, the different layers of a home, and the different levels, I felt that this time gives us an opportunity to examine where the cracks in that awareness occur, whether in the foundation of our being or simply in the roof, the walls, or the windows, you know, those people, things, or habitual behaviors that we depend on for protection, for barriers of defense, or to provide a vantage point to see outside of ourselves, i.e. through the window, from a distance without looking in, without looking inward, which is what we need to do. How to make peace with the, quote, results of our choices and move forward after an unsettling paradigm shift. Keep in mind that those choices may be personal or internal or on an external level or even a political platform. It just depends on which area of your life needed the most focus, and that is where the energies converged into that area. So today, today, Danielle, Mother, and I will explore the next phase, that of rebuilding with a renewed sense of self-awareness and, hopefully, conviction to the truth of what is serving us well in our lives and what is not. When an energetic eruption such as this comes along, you cannot remain stationary in the midst or throes of what I call progressive movement forward. Like it or not, we must act, and sometimes that can be unsettling, so we'd like to help you along with that. So let's welcome Daniel back to the show and get the conversation underway. Welcome back once again, Daniel. Always love to have you with us. Thank you so much, Charlotte. It is always such a pleasure and an honor to be here with you and all your listeners today. Awesome. And so our topic is pretty interesting in that we're going to continue on what we talked about last time. So I wanted to start off with, you know, small stuff. I... You had asked me in the last segment, so in my, just to explain to the listeners, the area of my life where I needed a shakeup was in the financial landscape. I had gotten very complacent and kind of comfortable mm-hmm. with the way things were and didn't feel that anything needed to be changed. Well, it turned out that was not true because in my mind, in my daily thought process, I'm looking at, okay, what do I have to pay? And then I'm feeling resentment for obligations that are normal in life, you know, utility bills, uh, car payments, car insurance, what have you. However, when I took a look at it and kind of changed my perspective to, you know what, just because you want to pay a lower price doesn't mean you're greedy or that you can't do it. It's just a shift in your thinking. And so I'm looking at my insurance payments for my cars, our cars, my husband's and I, Mm -hmm. and I, I don't like the price. And yet we've been with the company 
for, for almost 15 years without an accident. And so I looked at it and I said, well, you know, you see the commercials, people talk about it all the time. If you don't like the price, go get some more quotes. It could be something as simple as making a phone call. And then you could get a tighter rein on the outflow of money and increase the inflow with that energy. And I'll, and I'll tell you something so simplistic that occurred to me a couple of weeks ago. My husband has has a, has sensitive teeth and requires a certain toothpaste, like Sensodyne. And that stuff is mm-hmm. like $5 a tube. And every time I buy it, I look at the price and I'm like, this is ridiculous. You know, certain things like bathroom tissue is almost $20 for a big pack and this toothpaste is $5. And so this negativity runs through my mind every time I buy it. And so I was looking at it and I said, well, why don't you buy a cheaper brand that you like and let him just use that because you don't need it. Like, you know what I mean? It went to something that simple that I was giving into using something I didn't need and at a higher price simply in, in the interest of keeping things smooth. I don't, I don't even know the words to describe it, but I, I yeah. just switched that up and it, and it really made me feel better emotionally and mentally. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes so much sense, Charlotte. I, I'm listening to you. I'm like, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> My head is nodding. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, it's a, um, I think that uh, in our lives, complacency can quickly turn to apathy uh, if we're not following our intuition, you know, it's, it, there's a, there, and I, let me just speak for myself. I, there's a big part of me that wants to just make one decision around my toothpaste and be done for life. Like, I don't ever want to decide anything about toothpaste again. Yeah. It's this weird, this, um, like, like what you just described about the process with the toothpaste and what your husband needs and what you need um, and versus the money that you're putting out. And, you know, that's really thoughtful um, uh, awareness in the moment, uh, what, where your money's going, what you're spending it on, and also, in a way, giving your body medicine that you personally don't require – so there's so much good stuff there, but that is following your intuition. That's following, hey, I'm having feelings around this. Let me go deeper with this. I mean, this is the life that we are trying to cultivate, and yet there is that part of me that wants to just decide on one toothpaste, uh, you know, 20 years ago and not ever have to look at it again. Like somehow that process you went through with the toothpaste Somehow that is wrong or too much trouble or too disruptive. I don't know the stories I tell myself. It's, it's kind of in, involved. But as I'm listening to you, I think, wow, yeah, that's so adult what you're doing around the toothpaste. But the desire not to do it, to just stick with it and ignore the feelings and just keep trudging through, that's a very childish perspective or feeling does that that make sense yeah i agree i agree not to to be insulting but a lower level consciousness you know yes well no child that's not uh, insulting there's childlike and there's childish Mm -hmm. and childish belongs in childhood because 
children aren't supposed to know the cost of Sensodyne and how that works out to the monthly budget. You know what I mean? Like they, mm-hmm. that's, that's not what they're supposed to be dealing with, and that's the way it should be. But when you get into adulthood, to carry those attitudes over, there's no, there's nothing really positive about that. And I feel like a toddler who, you know, who swallowed, a, you know, something or has something in their mouth and just doesn't want to give it up with arms crossed. And, no, I decided on toothpaste 10 years ago, and that's it. I'm never making a decision again. And the adults are like, give me what's in your mouth, Danielle. Spit it out. It's like, no. I don't want it. Right. I don't want it. And I I thought it was a great example as I'm standing in front of my, you know, bathroom sink and I'm looking at it. And then I'm standing, you know, at the store looking at it and I was like, and it it just clicked. And I was like, what are you doing? You know better. But my my life is so fast paced sometimes where I need to withdraw because of the pressure. And you get into that foggy headedness. But I'm standing there, I'm looking at it and I said, well, wait a minute. You don't need that. And for and the brand you like is a dollar thirty nine, and it's a lot bigger. And my God, it makes yeah. total sense. And what were you thinking for for ten years? You know, and, and I wanted to bring yeah. that up to the listeners because the example is so simple: a dollar thirty nine yeah. versus five dollars. He can have right. his centodyne, and it'll last him however long. And I'll have mine. And it was just, you know what I mean? It's just so I do. silly what we do to ourselves that I, I'm, I'm throwing myself out there as an example. You know, just I just look at what what you're doing. That's a great example. That's Mm -hmm. a great example, and particularly the fact that you brought into the equation that you were having resentment, and you know that's another that's a real important point that we have to trust our feelings. And I I think I'm very guilty of this. Too often when I'm having negative feelings, I immediately want to dismiss them or deny them because I quote unquote shouldn't be feeling them Mm -hmm. Uh, instead of recognizing that uh, I should trust my feelings because they're like signposts. You know, the resentment is like, hey, hey, this needs attention over here. That's all. You know, you're not a bad person for feeling the resentment. You're not doing anything wrong. You're not unspiritual. You know, you're just something here is trying to get your attention. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I complicate I my feelings so much, you know. So I think it's fantastic that you were able to recognize that the resentment was trying to tell you something. Mm-hmm. And I want to let go of the impulse to resent myself for not recognizing the resentment, if you know what I mean. It's like a you have a reaction and then you have a secondary reaction to the first reaction, and then you beat yourself up all over again. But I do, yeah. I, I know, and we do it. But I want to bring up something that I have said to people. I, I've done coaching on efficiency in offices and workplaces, and I always started it out, so I want to tell the listeners how to recognize this or, you know, when to give that the focus that it needs. I would tell anybody who works in an office, there was a, primarily the people I worked with, whenever something makes you feel bored or agitated or makes you roll your eyes or um, frustrated, stop and look at it and look at what you can change. Is there a faster way to do it? Is there a better way to do it? And for here, in this context, is there a cheaper way to do it? 
And so right. many of us might shut down because we have our list of obligations, and then we run around trying to meet them, trying to keep up with that, and then get angry when the universe doesn't comply with our wishes to send us more money to make us feel better, when there's certainly in our toolbox tools that we can use to manage that, streamline it, make it more practical and um, sensible to make these little decisions and free up the money energy that we all have with that block. More money from coming in. So when And it goes with what we've been talking about in the past several months. In order to expand, sometimes you have to contract and make room for that expansion. And this is one of the simple ways you can do it. I thought it was pretty clear-cut. Yes, that's a great idea. That's that's absolutely right. That's, I think that's a – and sometimes it is getting yourself a few questions, you know. Um, but I also think that you were talking about the secondary reaction. Mm-hmm. I believe that I have historically used that secondary reaction as a way to avoid asking the questions that might lead to solutions. You know, because if I don't ask the questions, then I don't create awareness, and then I don't create the opportunity for changing it. And I get to stay in that loop of frustration and, you know, boredom or, you know, whatever you're feeling um, around the situation. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and I've noticed that that secondary reaction is such a great way to maintain the status quo to keep me mired in my shadow um, because the secondary reaction is generally much stronger than the first, like the beating myself up or, you know, regretting that I didn't see it sooner and all the money I spent, you know, that whole going down that whole road, it's, it can be very consuming, you know, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, even physically, it can become so, it becomes about that rather than just stepping back into observation mode and asking the questions and seeing what bubbles to the top, you know, are there, is there a solution mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. I love the way you said that. Let's swing this over to choice because in every given moment, this is what I, I tell the listeners on all my other segments, in any given moment, you're making a choice. Right. Your feelings yes. are a choice. Your thought processes are a choice. Your habits are a choice. Your behaviors, your spoken word, your responses and reactions to situations and people. So if we swing this over to a matter of choice, then the minute we have that initial reaction, that can be one thing, and it, and it can be startling, you know? Right. Yeah. Get to that secondary reaction, that's when you know you stepped kind of two paces off the path of conscious choice because you're getting caught up in the wave of that emotion and indulging in it. So if you were to stop, take a deep breath, center yourself, whatever your techniques, and then take those two steps back on the clear path of peace and say, okay, I have a choice in this moment. What choices led me to this feeling, led to this resentment, led to this financial crisis, led to this need for me to wake up in some way? And so we can take that and Examine it dispassionately, impersonally. Do not beat yourself up with this, people. And so you look at it and say, okay, so where can I break away from that? Where can I divorce myself from that from that choice that I made, whether unconsciously or semi-consciously? And some of us just say, 
like you said, apathy comes in. We say to hell with it. I'm just going to do it and let the universe figure it out. This is, I'm going to go <laughs> yeah. with you. That's childish. That's petulant. Yeah. You cannot throw a spiritual yeah. tantrum in the midst of a growth opportunity. So we need to yeah. look at those choices and say, okay, what energy did I feed into it? How did I make it grow? How did I make it expand? And how do I now change my mind about that, change my choices in that to create a different result? Because yeah. we all know what the definition of insanity is. And so if we want <laughs> different results, we have to look at our choices and then say, okay, I'm stronger than that. I'm more mature on emotional, mental, and spiritual levels. I'm willing to step up to the plate and, and move to the next level consciously, even though it might not feel so good right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, yeah. I, would, I do. And I would just add that um, oftentimes that secondary reaction, I know, you know, in, in my belief system, and I, I, it resonates with yours as well, that I, I know that I'm making a choice on some level, but I oftentimes the, the secondary reaction, I'm powerless over that. I don't know that I'm making it. I can't say, oh, you're making that choice again to beat yourself up or whatever, you know. Um, and I can acknowledge that I'm feeling powerless over my feelings or my re- the feelings that are coming up as a reaction to the situation. But that's when I employ that pause that you talked about to just pause and deep, take a deep breath and say, all right, even though I'm powerless over my feelings, I don't have to react um, out in the world with them. I don't have to act upon those secondary feelings. I can pause, have all the feelings, first feelings, secondary, whatever. I can have all those feelings happening and I can Stay in pause until I'm able to make the more adult choices, to take actions that are more in alignment. Because if I pause long enough, the feelings will subside. You know, there's, there, there's always an end point to the feelings. And it might be 24 hours. It might be a few days. It might be a week. But if I pause long enough, and the feelings, all the feelings that got stirred up calm down, then I can feel my empowerment, my conscious empowerment to, like, ask those questions, what you recommend people in the workplace, you know, or whatever, you know, to ask that series of questions that will then lead to a, a more solid, balanced, and healthy result. <laughs> I like that. I like the way you put that. I, um, yeah, it's all about hitting the pause button before you yeah. <laughs> do something or say something you can't take back and cross that point of no return. Yeah, yeah. That, that conscious point. That's a really good point. What um, I wanted to touch on, complacency. Yes. If the, if the shake-up, so I think where I'm going is if the shake-up point is to someone's marriage, you know, like something on a marriage front, not so much financial or health. You know, some people got hit in the health department. So when when we get into this complacency, and I say this because I want to lend uh, some information moving forward, now that the hard part's over and the storm has subsided, we might 
there might be a danger that we can fall back into that. You know what I mean? Yes. And so I do. I think what I want to say is this, uh, like um, the reference uh, I made when we were talking privately of, you know, when you're laying in a hammock and you relax, you're bearing your full weight on the hammock, and they'll take that as a metaphor for expecting the universe to support you. But there has to be some accountability and, and some responsibility, the ability to respond to what you are experiencing, what you're going through, and then how you can take steps to maneuver that to achieve a better result and a more peaceful state of being. And I like what you said about, you know, okay, you have your reaction, you have your secondary reaction, but remember that the goal is peace. And so hitting that pause button, hold back, look around and say, how am I contributing to this? And then I think we we can then at least put one foot forward and take a proactive step in the right direction instead of feeling victimhood or self-pity or um, yeah. frustration. Because I, I know some people, these things happen in their lives over periods of time, like patterns that emerge. Does that make sense, what I'm trying to say? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And and it's, uh, you know, when you when it comes to relationships and, and marriages, uh, you know, romantic relationships, partnerships, like uh, in that vein, um, it, it, going back to the toothpaste analogy, there's that same, um, and I think this belief is not just for me personally. I think this particular one is embedded in our culture, like, you meet somebody, you fall in love, uh, you have similar likes, you, they make you laugh, uh, the sex is great, you know, and you want to spend your life together and you, you get married and all this great stuff. And then there's this sort of belief, like with the toothpaste, right? I found my mm-hmm. partner, I found my life mate and my soulmate, whatever people, whatever words people use for it. I found the person, we've decided to get married, we've get married. And that's it. Like we never have to revisit the relationship. We never have to revisit our needs getting met. How are we doing? Like it's this we've decided one time and then that's it. That's all you need. And I think that is the biggest injustice. And I I speak from very personal uh, my life. I have had two marriages. They are both they've both ended. Uh, and I believe that the main reason that they both ended was because I, myself and my partner, and every relationship really I've ever had, is we did we slipped right into complacency. Like we made the decision and this decision is just good to go for life. Like we never have to revisit it. And I think there's this fear that if we revisit it, we're revisiting it from a place of doubt rather than curiosity. Like if we revisit it, what if we discover that our needs aren't getting met, both individually and collectively? What if we discover that um, we're not as compatible as we thought? But see, there's also the other possibility that we could learn to go deeper and have an even better relationship because as you live with somebody, as you're, you know, married and the years go by, you learn more about them. You learn more about yourself, what your needs are. 
And if you love someone, you want to help meet their needs, and they want to help meet your needs, you know. And it's not that the other person's responsibility to meet all your needs, but when you're in a relationship, there absolutely is that, like you were saying, that accountability, that responsibility, you know, to meet, to help support each other's needs. And if you don't just ask some questions, you know, every, every year or so, at least every year, mm-hmm. like how great would it be to be proactive and not wait until the problems to mm-hmm. say, oh, my God, we need a marriage counselor. Like, why not just start out with a marriage counselor <laughs> so that, you know, every month you go and, and get someone who just supports your relationship and you can talk about needs and how it's going. And, like, this this mindset in our culture that we're supposed to, at the very beginning, just have it all figured out. Mm-hmm. Like, and it should just be this happily ever after. And I believe that that is the biggest disservice we do ourselves as adults, period. Yes, I agree. We, For me, it was about, with the toothpaste, it was about compromise. Like, okay, you know, your, taste, your toothpaste is fine, but my teeth are sensitive. Can we buy this? And then I said, in that merging of our lives, moving in together in the beginning and all that stuff, oh, well, he needs this to the side and meet that need because that's what you do when you combine your lives and, and your goals. And and then in looking at that, maybe at the time that made sense, but over time I just ignored it because that was something I did to compromise. But to piggyback what you just said, um, I totally agree, and I think we lose sight once we make those decisions and, and think that, okay, it's going to be happy, happy ever after. We lose sight of the fact that life is fluid. And so are yeah. our beings, our energetic beings. There's fluidity to it. And and like I said in the introduction, you cannot remain stationary in the midst of progressive forward movement. And so everything's always moving yep. forward. When you hang back, like you're hanging out in a, in a, a hammock, you're going to run into trouble. You're going to hit some bumps. You're going to have a hard time because something's going to need to happen to get you moving. Yep. And I've always said, I, since my 20s, the more stubborn you are, the bigger the bump on the head you're going to need and or the bigger yeah. the shock you're going to need to, to get you out of that complacency, that apathy, that stubbornness, that non, that inactivity that you choose to turn a blind eye to. You, you cannot be blind to these things if you want to achieve peace or anything that uh, you and mother teach in your book about self-love. And it's all about self-love that's right. and that's that's the destination. How you get there will be up to you and your choices. Yes. Absolutely. A friend of mine calls it uh, the crisis-motivated mindset. Oh. I'm stealing that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I have. <laughs> I told her. I, I asked her. I'm like, oh, I, I got to have that, honey. And she was like, oh, absolutely. You can have it. <laughs> like, Thank you. Cause, that's how I feel uh, oftentimes is that I'm crisis motivated and oof, man, it's exhausting, exhausting and, and, uh, and, and not safe. You know what I mean? I don't feel safe when I, when I uh, jump off right into the deep end and it's sink or swim and it's, um, it's unkind. 
it's an unkind way of living. Well, I'll reiterate what I said in one of the last segments is that for the past year I've had these inklings to make changes. And because mm-hmm. I, I endeavor to be so polite, it's, such, it's so ingrained in me to be polite and to not offend people and to be, do unto others. I took that very seriously yeah. as a child. And, and I've yeah. been very hurt, so I don't want to make other people feel the way I felt. And they all, it all snowballed into this mm. um, lockjaw kind of situation where you don't express what you want to express. And so, oh, God, I lost my thought. Um, so I've had thoughts of, I want to make changes. I want to do this. I want to do that. And because I'm so considerate or let's turn that inside out, unsure or uncertain or insecure, you know, put the label on it that you want for yourself, whoever's listening. But I didn't press the issue. I didn't assert myself in a, in a professional or, or kind way. And I just ate it. I, I stuffed it in. I, I pushed it and just kept it to myself. And, so I guess I'm having a tertiary reaction of I knew it. You know what I mean? I knew this was going to happen. Sure. I wanted yeah. to do these things, and someone said, well, I'd like to change banks, but we're so settled. That would be a lot of effort, you know, and said, right. okay, right. We'll, we'll, I'll back away from that. We'll leave it alone, and we'll talk about it next Sunday or something like that. And so that's where right. we tend to fall into that rut of inaction for me and yeah. So I'm going, to, I'm going to work hard to pay attention to that stuff a lot more clearly and give myself, as Mother has suggested over the past two years, that give yourself time every day to talk to yourself and, and spend time with yourself. And perhaps we can add that question to the list of how are you feeling today? Really, how are you feeling, you know? Oh, nice, yes. But, uh, since we're on the subject, happy anniversary, my dear. We have been working together for two years now. Wow! Happy yes. anniversary, my love. You're so awesome. It's been a great two years. It ha- you know, I and have see, to... Uh, uh, and see, we should tell the listeners that yesterday we had a little meeting about how it's going, about, you know, some technical stuff, and, right? So with yeah. our relationship, we did a check-in, We and it's and it was great. It was so great, and we did it from a place of curiosity rather than doubt. And mm-hmm. it was it was fantastic. It was so helpful. I'm I'm really glad we did it. And I think mm-hmm. we both had um just a more positive, uh stronger sense going into today's um segment. So there Absolutely. you go. Yeah. <laughs> it was very adventurous, I will say. It was very adventurous and, and the, the the reason we had had this discussion is because you're busy, I'm busy, there's a fast pace, there's, yep. you know, our, our lives are multifaceted, and then almost every time we go on the air, I'm like, oh, I forgot to ask her a couple questions about just just how the flow and, what you know, just how we want this to go. It always works out great, but there was a few questions I needed to address, and it turned out great. And I just want to say blanket statement. I know, like, the past six months, for me personally, and, you know, the first half of 2018 has been extremely difficult, very traumatic, mm-hmm. um, to the point where it affected our health with the stress. But even that aside, with you on the show, our discussions together, Mother Mary's presence, her guidance, her grace, this has been two of the most miraculous years of my life. So I just want to thank you. I'm going to keep it simple. Thank you very oh, much. You're so welcome. You are 
so welcome. I am very glad. Oh, I'm so glad for you, honey. That just makes my heart grow. Thank you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I have just experienced so much growth in this time. In addition, you know, of course, I'm um, still a student of Jesus, but the here, this all came together because, you know, we all have masculine and feminine energy, and Jesus is mostly masculine. Mother's very feminine, and I needed a balance, and so I, I'm on my way to achieving that balance. So it's been such a learning experience. It's just been wonderful, you know? Yeah, they, they're they a match set for me, too. They're definitely, definitely that. Yeah. From the very beginning, yeah. they came together. And uh, so, yeah, <laughs> they work awesome together, I tell you. They, they do. They're quite the team. All righty. So let's. Uh, would you say we bring Mother Mary through and have her add to the discussion and learn some more about ourselves? Sounds great. Hang on just a second. Okay. Mm. Hello, beloved one. Hello, Mother. Welcome. Thank you, my dear. It is wonderful to be with you and all your listeners today. Hmm? Yes. So you are focusing on the co-creation that follows the uh, stirring up period. Yes? Yes, Mm ma'am. All right. So what I want to uh, first let everyone know is that this is the normal organic progression of transformation, right? Because if you think about all of life and everything in it as energy, Everything vibrating at a particular frequency. So what happens when you're not ready to face something, process something, feel something, acknowledge something, when you're not ready, all that energy of the events goes, think of it as it's like going into storage, right? Mm. So the vibration gets lower and lower, more compact. It's like um, you have a storage unit that is just packed, right, front to back, side to side, and closed and locked up for a time. And then many years later, you open up that storage space, And you start pulling things out. And what can happen is that the stacks might collapse. You stir up lots of dust. Uh, You notice that uh, you might have uh, some bugs that have gotten in there. And maybe some things have crumbled that you packed away. But what happens is that you are stirring. You have to pull it all out. And you don't necessarily have to look at all of it, right? But imagine if you were going through a storage unit, 
sometimes you pull out a box, you open it up, and you just know right away it's time to let that go. You don't even have to go through it. You look at the first part, or you can even look at the label you put on the outside, and you think, no, I'm done with that. I don't need that. And then other box, you need to open up and go through very carefully. One item at a time, you might have to read old uh, print, whether it's uh, an article or uh, a journal. But some boxes you can just sort of rummage through and there might be one or two things you pick out to set aside or to look at or to focus on. And the rest you can, you know, right away, you're just going to either put it in the trash or give it away to charity, right? So when you are ready to shift, right, that's the opening of the storage room door, right? You're willing, you're ready, you open it up. And then the next part of the process is going through, stirring everything up, some things looking closely, others no need to. The energy just seems to flow right out, no problem. But always there is a period in that stirring up where things feel like they are collapsing, where it can feel very emotional, old feelings stirred up. They can be very painful. But always, always, there is an end to what's in that storage unit. That one piece of compressed energy that you just set aside in your life for a later time. Because at the time it happened, you did not have the tools or the support or the awareness, the consciousness that you needed to deal with that event and the feeling mm. that surrounded that event. So you get to this one of the great, brilliant joys of being human, that you can delay these things until you do have the support, you do have the awareness, you do have the tools that you need to Work your way through those feelings, the energy, the memories, all that's stored in that part of you. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense, especially your use of the term storage unit, which is mm-hmm. good, amusing. So <laughs> then you get to the place where you're feeling stronger. Uh, you're sort of at that end point with all the painful feelings that got stirred up as you're combing through the storage unit. Um, and you might feel wobbly and a little uh, tired, a little weak, as if uh, you were out in the sun for too long or in the water swimming for too long. But now you feel stronger and now you feel ready to make decisions about what you discovered in that storage unit, the things that did not flow out easily, the things that you set aside 
that you knew right away were important, you were drawn to them, they hold your attention. Now it's sort of that rebuilding stage. And that's where the co-creation is so vital, right? That stage. Of course, it's important when you're combing through the storage space uh, just to know you have that love and support from your friends, from the divine. But what can happen frequently when you're in the process of combing through all that is the feelings get so big, it's hard to feel the divine. It's hard to feel the love. Mm-hmm. I encourage all of you to know that that is completely normal. We have not abandoned you, but the feelings can get so big that they eclipse your connection to us. They eclipse the love. And sometimes that's necessary so you can get a full understanding of what you set aside in that storage space. But what is vital to know is that there's always an end point to that energy. There will always be a point where you've come through it. The end, there's nothing left in that particular storage space. The energy, the feelings start to calm down. There is always the end point. It will not be endless. It will not be forever. It is just for a period of time. So when you're in that rebuilding stage, that's when you're able to reconnect with the divine, to realign yourself with love, and to remind yourself that to go slowly through the rebuilding period, to not make uh, quick, rash decisions, time, and to make your choices uh, based on what you know about the feelings, what you know was uh, held in that storage space, what the love and the divine energy are encouraging you to do. And just what feels right, what your gut is telling you, you need at this point in the process. Mm. Mm-hmm. Too often to believe that when you discover, when you open these storage, the door to these storage spaces and you start to feel the energy, the feelings start to get overwhelming and you feel separate from uh, the divine, from the love, uh, from even yourself and all this stuff starts pouring out, it's easy to fall into the illusion that you're doing something wrong, that you are not spiritual enough, that uh, you've been, that we have deserted you, 
that love is not something to trust because you can't feel it right now. But I'm telling you to trust the feelings that come out of storage for you to own, for you to embrace, for you, for you to take responsibility for, right? Mm-hmm. To recognize that you chose to delay that process and wisely so but that you absolutely have the support and none of the support is deserting you the feelings are so big they don't leave room for anything else right but Mm -hmm. nothing has deserted you 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 have the support in place you're not doing anything wrong but sometimes big waves of feeling must be acknowledged. They must be felt. They must be known. And take comfort in the fact that even though you stored all this in this storage space in your being, you don't have to feel all the feelings that are stored in there. Remember those boxes that you know right away can just be let go? You don't even mm-hmm. need to go through them? Mm-hmm. Here is the grace. Here is where the divine and the love do not abandon you. You never have to feel all, every single bit of the energy you put in storage. You only have to feel the important pivotal feelings that are going to help you grow, strengthen, expand, and deepen your relationship to yourself. Okay. So as hard as it is, trust it. Trust the process. All the support you need Ask for as much support as you need from the people that support you and the divine. Do the best you can to take care of yourself. And you will find that these periods in your life are not as long as you think they are going to be. And that when you get to the other side, you are stronger than you ever thought possible. Mm-hmm. May I ask a question, Mother? Of course, beloved. And I, I want to phrase it in a way that everybody can benefit from the answer. So in my experience in the past six months, uh, I'll concentrate just on the past six months. As weak, and, and all my life I've I've been aware of a strength and I've held to that. But in this experience, it was one of the stronger ones where I just felt weak and beaten up, overwhelmed, uh, like I had been rolling a large, large rock uphill, and finally I couldn't support it anymore, and it rolled over me. And so in that experience, I remember thinking, so this will end. It will dissipate, and, and you'll get slowly back to normal, my normal, my emotional normal. And and yet, coming out of it, experience is a little different. And I, I 
I, admittedly, I don't like the phrase that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I have very mixed feelings about that. But I did feel that I would come out of this feeling strong, not necessarily stronger in my vocabulary that, you know, that was in my head. What I'm feeling now is that there was more strength that I was not aware of that I'm now aware of. Is that an accurate depiction of how I feel as opposed to, oh, this didn't make me stronger per se. There's something I was not acknowledging within myself. Yes? Yes, beloved. Absolutely. That, but that is the stronger feeling. It's the acknowledgement or the recognition that the strength has always been inside of you. Mm-hmm. So think about your relationship to yourself, not about um, creating things that don't exist, but being aware of what is. Mm. Oh, you are evolution or enlightenment or self-realization, however you want to term it, it's not about creating something from nothing uh, or even necessarily uh, growing something that was small into something that is big. It feels that way, but the truth of the matter is you are just releasing the illusion that that say that particular strength that you're feeling now wasn't mm-hmm. there the whole time, right? So it's all there inside you at the at the level that it needs to be for you to feel and experience enlightenment. But the process mm. is about uncovering, discovering, and bringing it from the unconscious into the conscious. So the process you just went through is you expanded your consciousness to the point where you now are aware of what has always been there. Say that again, beloved. There was an echo. I was saying, yes, I I totally understand what you're saying, and, and that's what it feels like, this process that peeled away layers from yes. my awareness to reveal something spectacular to me. And so mm-hmm. comparatively, there to this strength that I'm feeling now, having come through, let's say, the dark tunnel and into the light, perhaps a little pouty, you know, I, I can't, I can't profess to be, you know, I'm not, I'm not throwing roses anywhere. I'm doing okay. I'm fine. Uh, but there is a, a certain amazement. I find I need to find a better word. There's a certain respect to what I've discovered about myself in graduating from that discovery period. And so it's a, it's a lot more stronger and deeper than I thought it would be, and I'm grateful for it, I think, is what I'm trying to say. Good. Very good, beloved. Very good. Mm-hmm. And I want to um, just mention a few things more about the rebuilding phase, all right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one is uh, that recognition, that asking questions, when you get to the point where you're ready to ask questions to formulate better solutions for yourself, 
Daniel mentioned this, and I want to really highlight it, that it is so much more loving to ask these questions out of curiosity rather than doubt or out of being punitive, punishing to self, that when you get to the rebuilding point, to ask these questions because you are genuinely curious on how you might make different choices, how you mm-hmm. could formulate things a little differently, what actions you might take to be even more supportive in the situation as it is now. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I had because I like the curiosity in the sense of adventure as to finding better ways. Yes. Yes. And when the rebuilding phase is over and you are feeling much stronger, don't forget to keep asking questions out of curiosity. And I'm going to relate this back to your discussion with Danielle about uh, the toothpaste, about uh, romantic relationships. Don't be afraid to ask questions. They will always bring you more deeply into what you really crave. These questions from a place of curiosity, not blaming, not doubt, not punishment, but curiosity, it is one of the great gateways to intimacy and connection. So if you were to take that into your romantic relationships, And say in the beginning, say, let's be curious. Let's stay curious about ourselves, each other, and our relationship. And if children are involved, about our children, about our family. Let's set aside time to ask questions. And not just the more standard ones like, hey, how is your day? or even just how are you, right? But to come up with a list of questions together as a couple that you ask, you can revise that list, you can change it as you both grow and evolve, but it's so important to stay curious about your partner, about your children and not because you're afraid or you're worried or you're stressed or you're trying to ask questions to get uh, information so you can calm your own fears. No, but to ask the questions from a place of loving curiosity because you genuinely want to understand yourself and your partner and your children as people, right? As human beings, as people you love, as people you want to spend your life with, you want to ask from that place. The last thing I would encourage you all to do when, as soon as you feel yourself in the uh, rebuilding stage and beyond, Think about fun and laughter, right? Mm -hmm. Find fun, cultivate laughter, 
uh, try things that make you laugh, watch things that make you laugh, listen to things that make you laugh, call friends that make you laugh. Be conscious about bringing fun and laughter into the equation because what can happen a lot of the time is because that initial period of upset, of cleaning out that storage space, of upheaval, sometimes collapsing, all the emotions and feelings that come with that can lead you into the mindset of taking yourself and your life so seriously that you can rebound into a depression. And to say, whoa, that was too much, too much. I want to isolate. I don't want to feel anymore. I'm going to cut myself off. And that can happen very, very easily. So if you cultivate fun and laughter, you are more likely to lift to help move the energy, right? Laughter moves energy. Fun moves energy. So you want to keep moving that energy. Like you think of the storage unit, cleaning out, cleaning out, cleaning out. Move the energy and enjoy yourself while you do it. I will definitely keep that in mind. I do have a practical question, if I may, Mother. Yes, beloved. In terms of, obviously, uh, the upset, the stirring up, the shake-up period for many of us is quite obvious where that began. And so for me, I, I want to make it easier for everyone else. So for me, I, I, um, I tend to have a knack for noticing the shift in energies eventually. But how do we know? <clears throat> Are there emotional mile markers to when it's over so that we can remain conscious in whether it's preparation for the next phase or am I going in the wrong direction and doing too much or are there signs or internal cues that tell us, okay, now you're nearing the finish line of that upset phase. Now you're going into rebuilding. Now you're at the end of rebuilding. Are there markers we can look for to know where we are for that sense of safety on the path? Yes, yes. And the first one is that the emotions, Uh, start to uh, dissipate and all of a sudden you can feel the divine when you say your prayers when you sit for a meditation when you ask for help from the divine you start to feel it maybe just a little bit at first and then love tends to feel um, more uh, prevalent Uh, You can see it more. You can feel it more. The intensity of the feelings, of the emotions, starts to dissipate. And you wake up as painful as yesterday. And then the next day, not as painful. It starts to just calm down. That's when you know you are entering the rebuilding phase. And it's a good time. because you often have more um, energy available to do the things that feel good and are good for you. So you'll find yourself more easily getting back into meditation, uh, more easily uh, stopping the isolation, 
right? It just starts to Mm -hmm. uh, free up. The energy tends to free up. And then you know that the rebuilding phase is coming to an end when you just have much more strength and self-care comes much easier and you feel as though uh, you can make decisions without a lot of overwhelm, Uh, your intuition, that still small voice is louder, easier to follow. Uh, There doesn't feel as much chaos inside, right? There seems to be more serenity. But you have to, as I said, be careful that when you are moving from the high-intensity stage into the rebuilding stage, that you don't fall into depression. Because here's what happens. If you fall into depression, you are cutting off the feelings, right? You're going for numb. And when you are numb... You don't give yourself the chance to keep releasing the energy. You don't give yourself the chance to keep releasing the feelings and the emotions, right? You've Mm -hmm. cut yourself off. And then what happens is that you fall right back into the same shadow behavior, and then you don't feel as though you've progressed. You don't feel as though you are stronger. You feel as though you're sliding back into the same uh, pit, right, or the same uh, storage place. And you may be because you didn't give yourself a chance to um, really let all of it go. But if that happens, please be kind to yourselves, beloved ones. Please be kind. Sometimes it does take a few tries to get through one storage space, and that's all right. That's all right. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Yes. I, can I assess myself and you tell me if I'm correct? Would that be all right? Certainly. Okay. So I'm out of self-pity to, to a large extent. Um, self-pity, anger, uh, helplessness, hopelessness. I've moved through those emotions. I know I indulged it a little little longer than might have been necessary, but I think it was my tendency to go through something the hard way to understand it. But in coming out of it, I took my anger, as I tell others to do. I'd used it for clarity, uh, and I could feel the determination coming up. I could feel that strength, that coordination of my emotional effort to achieve a goal rather than go into complacency, sadness, depression. And then there is a certainty that I feel that it will it, it will be all right no matter what it looks like. But I do feel a certain certainty that it will go my way simply because I will not accept being taken advantage of or perceived victimhood. So does that tell yes. me I am in my rebuilding, strengthened and yes. fortified by faith and renewed faith, stronger faith, and so... Am I at the beginning, middle, or end of that mother, of the rebuilding phase? I I would say that you are in the middle uh, because uh, there is still some feelings that need to cycle through. 
that you need to feel. Um, and uh, you're still in the middle because you are still taking this all a little too seriously. So you need an injection of a little more fun and laughter at this stage. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yes. There's so much detail to making the transitions with banks and what have you, all those errands I have to run. And so I've been getting frustrated if it doesn't move as quickly as I want it to, and then I have to talk myself back. But I am yes. I am making those efforts to get into the pool and take walks. And... I encourage yeah. you to do it, beloved. And you may want to just put, up, put on some uh, music and uh, just uh, move your body around, something fun. Something lighthearted. Do something a little fun and lighthearted for yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, take your partner with you. Maybe go outside, uh, take a trip to uh, some water, uh, play in the sand. Just um, give yourself a little um, silly time. Silly time, yes? okay. Silly time, right? To just be silly and fun and just not uh, for even just a day or a few hours, just set all that aside and play a little bit, all right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Good. We have to end so, for today, my dear. Hmm? That's fine. All right. Thank you so much for this. I love you, my daughter. I love you too. And I want to say very much. I know you do. I know it, beloved. And it is so joyful, wonderful. And I want to tell all those that are listening that I love you as well, each one of you, individually and collectively. I am always here for you. Kind to yourselves and be patient with yourselves. Hmm? You're doing beautifully. Namaste. Namaste, Mom. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That was fun. Wow. That was, yeah. A lot of good, a lot of good information. That was super. That's just what I needed to hear. (laughs) Yes. And uh, you know how, you know, you you want to ask a question, but you don't know if you're kind of crossing a line. I I tend to, I don't stress a lot, but a little bit. So I'm always like, can I ask this? But. (laughs) <laughs> it was very crucial to understand, okay, so where am I in this process? Because, mm-hmm. with, okay, so I'm in the middle, which is good news, okay? Yeah. I can I can stop taking it. I am very serious. And, and um, all that's happened and uh, in that emotional response of, you know what? I've really had enough of this. I'm done with the victim. I'm done with being taken advantage of and trusting people who should be only trusted upon verification, like my bank, that kind of thing. 
And so I'm not going to sit back. I'm going to keep an eye on everybody with respect and, you know, a, a, a decency that is is um part of adult behavior. Anyway, so I, I, I was wondering for the listeners, if they were asking, I try to echo their thoughts, what if they're at the closer to the end, but they're really at the beginning or they believe they're somewhere else. So I wanted to get those parameters of how do you know where you are in that path just for that sense of safety, like not to yeah. whine and say, well, how much longer do I have to go with this? doesn't matter. It's going to take as long as you need it to take. But um, yeah. Yeah. I thought that was a, well, a good she, way I to show. I think she explained it also that, you know, when you're in it, uh, when you're in the tough part, it's hard to feel connected to yourself. It's hard to feel the love. It's hard to mm-hmm. feel the divine presence, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's And that's been my experience. I, like, I, like I'll have periods in the, in the tough spot where I connect, but more likely than not, I'm just in all the junk, you know, and um, breathing in the dust and <laughs> all the debris from, from the storage unit. Um, yes. So that's my indicator that I'm mm-hmm. in the tough, the tough stretch is I, I don't want to do any of the stuff that I know works for me. I don't want to meditate. I don't want to pray. I don't feel connected. I, it's hard for me to feel the love, you know, all that. That's, that's when I know I'm in the, the real rough spot. Yes, me too. I get, I get so angry. You wouldn't, do you surprise yourself sometimes with the depth of the anger you often feel in a, in a, a period of, of your life like this, I scare. Oh myself. yeah, oh yes, oh yes. It's um, I used to have that more than I do now. I feel like I've I've spent uh, <laughs> like a good decade of you know have it's cleaning out storage units where there was a lot of uh, anger, and now with my anger, I feel like I'm still working on just letting myself have it. But when I do have it, the intensity is not what it once was. I would say for a while it was on the level of rage, like not oh, yeah. anger. It was the mm-hmm. rage level. But that mm-hmm. um was such an important time to have all that come up and out. And um yeah, that was I I'd say in my thirties, uh my thirties, yeah, early forties, that was um just yeah, the decade before my son was born. Thank God, I I spent time cleaning out those. He worked storage through some units, things. Those, those those rage storage units. <laughs> yes. And I was gonna say that just cleared away a lot of that, so that I could be more patient for my son because I did not have the level of patience that I needed for my particular, my son, not just having children, but for my son. And Mm -hmm. uh, I I believe that it was, you know, letting go and cleaning out a lot of that rage is what made room for patience, you know, and not getting set off so easily and being sort of a hair trigger. And, um, yeah, it was was important. Totally. But I I, I just uh, wrap up today. We're uh, (laughs) – We went a little, yeah, we went a little over. I I just want to add that from an emotional standpoint, I know we're talking about storage units, and you may get the image that okay, you put something in something, you close the door, and you deal with it later. I just want to add the objective that when we hold on to emotions and and we choose not to let them go, what you're also building is an emotional escrow account, and that compounds interest. So that's something to think about going forward. That when you start to let that go, 
you're going to compound it, and that could be a little harder. So be kind to yourself. Be patient. True. You know. All right. This is I wonderful. Agree. Okay, and if you would like to learn more about Danielle and Mother Mary's teachings and their book and their wonderful community, visit BelovedPublications.com, SpiritualInsightsRadio.com. It's the place you want to go to check out the archives and listen to all of our previous conversations leading up to this beautiful conversation. Once again, Danielle, thank you so much, and we will be talking soon. Thank you so much, Charlotte. You're quite welcome. Take care. You too. All right, everyone, that's our show for today. We hope you got as much out of it as we did. Until next time, God bless and be at peace.